We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 408 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Ian Hilton, he's LeVon, aka Barcelona. And LeVon, we start with the World Cup news today, that the Europa League on February 16th, which will be here before we know it, so it's not really World Cup news, it's post-World Cup news, because yeah, there's the Brazil announcement and all that, and Japan and their announcement, but again, we're already looking beyond the World Cup. We'll have all that content and all that gobbledygook for the World Cup in short order, but... We do begin with, of course, the draw for the Europa League, and that is that Barca got Manchester United. And I think for neutrals and everybody else the world over, they're excited to see Barca fans and Manchester United fans, not even the match on the field. They're excited to see those two fan bases go after each other on social media, which, as you and I have been on Twitter recently, is just the wild, wild west again. Man, I mean, basically, uh, Barca against any English club, you know. (laughs) doesn't really matter if it's United or Liverpool or Chelsea or Arsenal. Like, they all hate us. So, you know, what can I say? I actually have a, a good friend, an Irish Irishman who's lived in Manchester, Manchester for many years, and he's a huge United fan. And he lived in Barcelona. He, he moved back to Ireland. He lived in Barcelona. And even so, he still comes at me with, like, all the nonsense that the, that the English media uh, spouts out regarding our club and i always like correct him and he goes like oh okay oh so it's like that Um, what's funny you mention that because i was going to say the same thing like between the 2009 and 2011 champions league finals the ronaldo versus messi debate and all that stuff i'm still surprised at how much my friends who are manchester united fans still hate and i mean viscerally hate fc barcelona especially sergio busquets but then they also always have something negative to say about Iniesta, about Xavi, about those kind of, I mean, especially like Iniesta, like those players that you think are like kind of untouchable when it comes to like, like how can you hate certain players? Like, I mean, Kool-Aid can find a reason to hate Luka Modric, but if you're not an FC Barcelona fan, and even, you know, you and I, there's an appreciation for what Luka Modric is. But like, so very much like Iniesta, like, I, I don't understand how you hate that guy. And yet my Manchester United friends find ways to hate him because, I mean, they really are still uh, of a certain generation, still very unhappy about, <laughs> about 2009 and 2011 and not much other time in between. Which is weird because um, when, when we played them in 2009, before the final, there was sort of a kinship 
between mm-hmm. uh, United uh, United fans and Barcelona fans because um, Manchester United is a hugely respected club in Spain and Catalonia. Like everybody uh, respected Manchester United because of because of what Manchester United had done in England uh, all, all that time. And it was at the time when Barcelona still did not have a shirt sponsor. You know, we had UNICEF on our shirt, so there was still like something pure about our club. At the same time, in Manchester, uh, they were protesting against the the looming uh, Glazers takeover. So there, there was a bit of a kinship between our club, which was not yet as successful, as insanely successful uh, as it has been in the year since then, our club owned by its members and United fans who wanted to prevent their club being sold to, to an American conglomerate. But yeah, that was then. And this is now. So. <laughs> Very much now. Yeah. And, and speaking of the now, I mean, with Xavi now the manager, his quote got a little bit of heat because I, I think the, the quote that I saw was, once again, we face the toughest rival in the draw, going to Manchester against a really tough rival with great individual players. Yes, it's the toughest rival once again. And people did, I mean, and I think that got aggregated into people feeling like he was overtly complaining. And I, I think even some attributed the idea of luck to it. It sounds to me that he is recognizing that Manchester United was on paper the toughest draw that Barcelona could have had in this Europa League draw because they finished second in the group behind Real Sociedad, did not win their group. But this season, they have beaten the likes of Liverpool and they have had moments where they've shown you their best. And then they've had moments where like in, in the Europa League where they showed you not their best and they can have stinkers on their day uh, under Ten Hag. But for Xavi, yeah, did his reaction, I don't know. Did it, were, you, were you happy with it? Did you think it was a bit too, just a bit too whiny, if you will, or too, too negative? Uh, I've only read the quote. I haven't actually seen how he mm-hmm. pronounced it. But if I were the Barcelona manager, or if I were in Xavi's shoes, then um, what I would have done for a whole week is tell my team that I want to draw Manchester and tell my team that, hey, I want to draw Manchester United. It's going to be beautiful to uh, to beat them at Old Trafford. We always do well against Manchester United. I want to draw Manchester United. I want to draw Manchester United. Manchester United is the club that I want to play against. That's the one that I want to draw. That's the one we want to play against. Like That should be the message. Mm-hmm. From from a coach to his players. Me as a fan, I don't have that responsibility, neither to to yeah. the players nor to nor, nor nor to the club. Me as a fan, I was like, well, you know, give me the the I don't know, the small town Danish club that I cannot pronounce. You know, because I yeah yeah because yeah. I I just want to go through to the next round and then give me another easy one and then go through to the next round and then we're gonna have like some some bigger matches and hopefully win those because I just want to get as far as possible. That's me as a fan. As a coach, don't say, oh my God, no, this is the toughest opponent that we could have. Uh, we are so unlucky. So I think he actually said that, that, that they were unlucky. Yeah. I mean, if it had been Kuman who said it, I would have killed him for it. Since it's uh, Xavi who said it, and you know, we have to give Xavi the benefit of the doubt because he is the ambassador of the World Cup in Qatar. No, I still don't like it that Xavi said it. Like, I really don't like it. I really don't like that. Well, what I will say, the the one piece of good news I find, even of what I've seen of, of Manchester United this year, obviously Barcelona, now they hopefully will be healthier. Who knows what reinforcements may come in January. But at present time, the way the two clubs are constructed, 
the left wing has not necessarily been a devastating spot of the field for Manchester United. That's actually kind of where they, they, they do have the most success through the middle of the field. Now, it's not really been the best season from who was one of the best players in the, all the Premier League last year in Bruno Fernandez. It's kind of, you know, not had his, his typical year. You're getting a little bit of Marcos, uh, Rash, uh, Marcos Rashford rather from the left wing, sure. But again, like left wing has not been great. There's been Anthony Alanga and Rashford has also struggled for form at times, but their leading goal scorer this year has four goals. Like Anthony has three goals having come in, the right winger, Martial's got two. I mean, and then of course, Cristiano Ronaldo is going to get all the headlines, but I mean, he also has not been amazing in any in in any regard this season. He clearly is looking like he is his age, which is totally fair for a player yeah. that's, that's that age. Like, totally fair to be 37 and kind of play like you're 37 years old. So, yeah, Manchester United, they might reinforce as well. Of course, there's Premier League floating, money floating around. But, yeah, so that's a tie that I, I think for us who create content, you know, for me who creates content, like, I'm in no way sad about Manchester United. Like, more people will care. More people listen to the preview. More people watch the preview. More people will watch our post-game analysis as opposed to, yeah, if you played a, a, a club in the Danish first division, you're just not going to get the same kind of uh, engagement and people just won't care as much. So I, I think for me, it's always sign it, sign us up. Sign us up for the biggest match. Sign us up for the biggest thing. And this is the Europa League. And I think Barcelona are good enough to, to move on. I always believe that. So the other Europa League matchups in this round of, uh, for a chance at the round of uh, 16, because again, this is round of 32, Juve and Nantes, Ajax and Union Berlin, Sevilla and PSV, Shakhtar Donetsk and Rennes. Uh, those are the other ones that I, I think I'll have half an eye on and, and the other interesting ties to me. And then obviously the Champions League draw came out the same day and that will be the same week. We're going to see Real Madrid versus Liverpool and PSG versus Bayern Munich. Those are definitely the highlights there. Where do your allegiances lie for those two? Well, obviously Liverpool, Real Madrid, I don't have to ask that one. <laughs> I guess PSG, Bayern Munich is the other one I'm asking. I mean, do you even need to ask? Really? Is that a question? It's Real Madrid, right? All right, so... Um, you, have to, you have to back the Spanish team, right? This, this, this is going to be a very short podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So let's move on to uh, to the 2 nothing win for Barcelona over Almeria, as Osasuna is just going to be a few hours away by the time you're hearing this, likely. But I did want to go back to Almeria because that match will forever be important match. Like It's going to be difficult to remember those Almeria, but basically PK day at the Spotify Camp Nou or the Camp Nou. So PK is gone. As I promised, I'm going to do more content on him later in the week. We're going to have a whole thing about PK, about his whole career, whole retrospective. We have a special guest for that. And then obviously throughout the World Cup break, I'm also going to continue to kind of look at his, his legacy. But obviously bringing you on here, kind of speaking of the day, you know, I, I think there were obviously social media is the most negative, And I think the most negative things are the ones that are aggregated the farthest. So I think there's certainly some consternation about him this season, about his personal stuff over the last few months, the size of his contract that he had, also including a potential fallout from Messi with a book that just came out about that subject and how all that would affect his legacy, but all how that affects his public perception right now. So I think there was obviously and still is some short term frustration at him. And I think the question was fair to say, will that blow over, you know, the longer he's retired? And I think the obvious answer is probably yes, because there are many professionals in world football who have retired, who've done much, much worse than what Gerard Piquet has done to any club in any capacity. And obviously for Barcelona, when you take a breath, take a second, you understand he is an eight-time La Liga champion, a three-time Champions League winner, seven-time Copa del Rey, Super Cups, Club World Cups, World Cup, and two European championships. And the longer it goes on, 
the longer you find him to be culpable and, 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 and feel the blame. And I think that is why we saw the Camp No celebrating his entire career, right? I think in a moment, you boo him, but over the course of career, of course, you cheer Gerard Piquet. He's a legend at the club. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Yeah, it's that. But I also think that what a lot of global fans either do not understand or quite openly uh, resent is that more than any other sports in, in the world, uh, soccer is rooted in local pride. So m- many teams support the soccer team of uh, of their city 
and mm-hmm. a, a lot of soccer teams or well, every soccer team has academies and in those academies are our players that are from the area from from the area where that team is rooted so growing up in Europe most people will have a friend who plays football at the academy of uh, of their local club of their local professional club doesn't mean, I mean that Frances the- Tomas I mean who found like the, the 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 co-host who founded this podcast with me Frances Tomas his brother played in La Masia yeah there you was, go they were yeah. of course like, <laughs> he was on the show like we had a La Masia kid mm-hmm. on the show I mean it wasn't a kid he was in his 30s when he was on but anyway that's, a, that's beside the point yeah there there you go uh, I grew up in Rotterdam and even though I did not support Feyenoord because I happened to have fallen in love with Barcelona a, a lot a lot of People from my city su- support that club. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that they're crap; they support that club. Um, but also, growing up, I knew like two, three kids my age, or roughly my age, who who played for that club, who played in their academies. So the 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 local connection to somebody like Piquet, who has very strong ties to the club who has been a club member since he was a kid who uh, has grown up this guy yep. who, who has had so much success and who has been been one of the best defenders in the world was born in a family of barca fans just like i was born in a family of barca fans so that's what a lot of people who are outsiders no matter how much you you are a fan of the club uh, you are outsiders. Even I live here, and I'm a bit, a lot less of an outsider than than others. But I still like do not have that Kule heritage that that Piquet has, or that most of the people in this city have, because soccer is rooted in identity. Yeah, and for sure. In 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 this way, p- part of why everybody is so proud of Piquet. And why everybody applauds him and recognizes the good rather than the bad after such a long career uh, is because of exactly this. People recognize themselves. And, you know, that that, that, that is very strong. Whereas an international fan might say, uh, I don't know. Oh, but he pushed Messi out. This, that. It may be true. It may not be true. We don't know. Um, you know, I don't, even if PK pushed Messi out, it's not as if PK created the conditions uh, to push Messi out. You know, those conditions were created by Bartomeu and all the idiots who voted for Bartomeu. But, or people will say, oh, PK is retiring now because he wants to be president and it's in his in- own interest. But fundamentally, PK is coolé, like very, very, very coolé in the same way that all of the people who are always in the camp now to watch the to watch the games are coolé and that is an incredibly strong feeling that people have towards their club and they recognize that yeah it is interesting too because i was thinking you know historically and i i do connect things to the nba a lot because this is where the nba is a sport where there are defined individuals right it's a very like you see their faces and you know these these players are these artists like characters and and where players choose to go is what dictates who wins the nba title like that it's like a like for like five guys 10 guys in the league truly truly matter and the 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 league over the last what seven eight well basically actually 12 years since lebron sat down and said i'm taking my talents to south beach and it kind of threw everything haywire where 
before that, prior to that, I promise in the NBA, there was this idea that you stick with the team that you're with. Like Kobe Bryant was going to be a Laker forever. That even the, the likes of a Steve Nash, when he started with the, the Suns, goes to the Mavs, comes back to the Suns, and yet, you know, they adopt him as a Sun. So it was weird to see him in a Laker uniform then. Or, you know, Dirk Nowitzki was going to be a Maverick forever. Tim Duncan was going to be a Spur forever. And that was what was prevalent. You know, Magic Johnson would have never worn another jersey that wasn't the Lakers. And the same thing with, with, with Larry Bird. And, you know, with Jordan, it got weird with the Wizards at the end. Never that was like an ownership thing. And I don't want to talk about that. But, but the point is, in modern football, we saw what it meant or how odd it was with the Messi situation, how Messi wanted to be a one club player. He want, I mean, potentially, you know, go and retire at Newell's Always, whatever at the very end, but truly wanted to be a one club player when he was recognizable uh, in his, you know, in his, in his great form. And PK is one of those where even though he went to Manchester United to kind of find himself, he is a one club player because he's also a one club person. Like again, he, his grandfather was on the board. Like he was at the first day he was born, he was registered as, as a socio. So there are players who you expect to come back to the club. And there are some legends that do and some legends that don't, but PK, there's no other place for him. Oddly enough though, he does own FC Andorra, which is so weird because you know, the more money that you pump in them, maybe they're going to be a first division side at some point in the near future, even they're like 11th and second division. But what I found so interesting when I'm thinking about PK and watching him get applaud against Almeria was a, the two things that stand out. And again, I'm kind of ruining some of this, the second show this week, but here we are. But you know, he was kind of, against Almeria, just to focus on that, it was a throwback machine where his his passing to the wings was crisp. The diagonal balls were there. Like it was just a vintage PK performance. Physically, mm-hmm. he was able to handle the, the 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 attackers that were coming his way. I mean, yes, Almeria kind of helped out with the formation that they played and they were they were unequipped uh, unequipped tactically to deal with what Barcelona pre- presenting to them. You know, Barca had 16 shots in that first half which is the most shots without a goal since like, was it 2007 against, or 2011 against Real Sociedad, uh, Zaragoza actually, who's been in the second division all the way since then. So yeah, that's the, the, the first time since then that they've had that many shots in the first half without getting a goal. Um, right. So you obviously yeah. felt like the game was going to break, but, but for that PK there and, you know, another clean sheet, that's 11 of 13 games this season in the Liga that Barcelona putting up clean sheets and PK was a part of that. I mean, there's only like a very few people who who analyze the game properly, and they will tell you that the second half of the season, PK, the second half last season, PK was easily our best defender, um, including. You and I discussed that. Yeah, plenty. Of course, he he was, in, in, including plenty of games in which he played next to Araujo. You know, he's, he's he was not as flashy as Araujo. But he, he was so incredibly solid. And I think what happened this season was uh, not a reflection of, like, Piquet did not play because he is our fifth or sixth best defender. That's not the reason that Xavi did not play him. Ch- Xavi simply thinks about the club, looks at Piquet's salary, looks at the new players that, uh, that have come in, Kunde and Christensen, and Alonso. And he's like, well, you know, if I play Alonso, Instead of Piquet, then Piquet is going to leave. And that is going to be extremely positive for our club, given the financial situation that we are in. Like 30 million euros. Yeah. It's 30 million euros. Like, I know we cried last week about the Champions League, but by retiring, what Piquet does by renouncing that 30 million euros, that makes up for more than double, almost three times what that, what Barcelona miss out by missing out on the Champions League 
knockout stage. No, it's so, more than it's more than thirty million euros because Barcelona paid tax on that as well. Yeah, so that I mean, so yeah, when tax is involved, it's again it's going to be pretty much exactly three times what they missed out in that Champions League pot. Yeah. So um, you know, uh, Alonso does not play instead of Piquet on merit. <laughs> That's hot. I feel like I feel the hot you know. takes are coming, Levon. <laughs> hot take. Marcus Alonso defenders are coming for you, I guess. Um, and I don't, I don't think Marcus Alonso has been half as bad as people uh, as people say this season. So yeah, no, that's that's my take on Piquet. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I think too that again, I'm going to get into it more on the second show this week. But I think just like Messi, I think what makes him so good and Busquets as well is their consistency. And I think Piquet is the interesting one too because Busquets was the same thing for a long, long time. And now that we're seeing as he ages and he, as he's been aging, I mean, I mean, you could almost argue other than this year with PSG, the last two seasons for Messi even, you could see like a little bit of cracks of age, a little bit of what he can't do to the same level that he used to. Not that he's doing something wrong. It's not that he's making a mistake, but just like, what can he do to the levels he did? And PK is interesting because as like last year when he was 34 years old, again, I think it was probably one of the better seasons he ever had, like individually, not as a team, but individually, one of the better seasons he ever had because PK was so odd that he had that ability, not ability, but he was so consistent as then he was always definitely going to be on the first team on the team sheet for Barcelona, which is a team contending for Champions League. But he would have bad seasons. Like his last season under Guardiola before Guardiola left was like a bad season by George mm-hmm. PK. But throughout his time, it was still always PK, right? He paired with Puyol, Mascherano, Titi, Lingley, Araujo. And he said, when I'm no longer needed. And he's been consistently needed through it because you could say he may have blocked other players, right? Like obviously Tadebo, Yuri Mina, uh, and you could throw Oscar McGath in there and even Mark Bartra. But none of those four I just named were ever going to take his spot. Like it I, wasn't I, would, I would have blocked Jerry Mina. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, well, yeah, I mean, it's like after the Levante game. But anyway, like, and by the way, by the way, Yuri Mina and his defensive issues were the reason why Ernesto Valverde did not have a perfect season in La Liga and it's not talked about differently. Let's go that way. But anyway, so what he said, that being Jared Piquet, I'm going to leave when I'm no longer needed. And just like you said, with Kunde, Araujo, Christensen, and Eric Garcia, I know that all four of them have been hurt at some points this season, including even last week, <laughs> that all four of them were hurt at the same time. But you carry four center backs with you in almost any team. Like you don't carry, you don't carry five. You carry yeah. four center backs, and not to mention the club is also moving for a free agent signing. When I say free agent signing, I'm saying Inigo Martinez. We're all saying Inigo Martinez, yeah. um, which doesn't so they're, make they're, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But well, I mean, you said it, so let me let me hear that. What's your issue with um a Mar- our Martinez free agent signing is? Well, I Why mean, should, do, well, they have to buy him out, right? They have to buy out his contract with Athletic Club. Yeah, or it's one of those situations. No, Athletic Club is not going to... Athletic Bilbao does not need money. They're good with money. So um, we're not going to buy him out because they will ju- just ask too much money. Uh, but even if he comes for free, he still costs money. Like, nothing's for free in this world. And, you know, you have Koundé, you have Araujo, Christensen. That's already, like, three players that... And Eric Garcia, who I still think is is a good player. Like, why would you limit people's minutes? Then you also have Alonso, who can play center back if we renew him. Um, you know, people can say, "Oh no, Alonso!" But come on, if he's your fifth choice, that's that's okay. I can live with that. You know, we played Alonso against Almeria. We were great. I also think that we should probably end up keeping Frankie De Jong 
that gives you another option at center back. So already now, this season without Piquet, I, we have six options at uh, center back, Alonso being this, the, the probably the worst out of those six. So, you know, is that where we want to invest? I would choose everything that we have for for a right back and maybe another midfielder. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the interesting thing too. It sounds like the, that right back that they're looking at is is Juan Foyth from Villarreal, depending on his injury and how he come how he returns from that. And if those rumors are true that it, that it is Foyth, he also has an ability to play center back as well. So mm-hmm. it, it again is another odd thing where with Marcus Alonso and and Foyth, like this team and this back line is built for this this three four three situation or three at the back situation. But Xavi said many times, like, he's not going to move away from the four at the back. And that's what he's comfortable with now. And we see the emergence of Balde is very helpful. So you think that if Boyd can play right back, then he will play right back and Barcelona will go forward that way. Now, speaking of uh, not really the right back spot, or I guess we could do Balde next before we even hit Dembele. Against Ameria, and you know, I, I find, Levon, as I'm going through these five headlines, I kind of made, I made an excuse. The one, the one week somebody yelled at me because Lewandowski had a goal in one of the games. I don't remember which one. And somebody yelled at me in the comments and was saying, hey, why come, how come one of your headlines wasn't Lewandowski? It was one of the 4 nothing wins, and he had a goal. And I said, because if the way the league is going this year, Robert Lewandowski is likely going to be one of the five headlines like almost every week. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to have him be a headline every single week, and I don't want to have to put him on the cover. I want to try to highlight other things, because we could just be talking about Robert Lewandowski scoring a goal every week, and I'm not adding anything new other than breaking down the goal. It kind of and- feels good that we can win a game without him scoring. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah, especially a team that was playing. Well, I think the better part of that was that there, it was a team playing five at the back as well. And we could talk about the, the Balde thing here now for a second, because I, I, I've been trying to avoid kind of having Balde be in every headline every week. But Balde, especially against Almeria, you could tell. I mean, it's, 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 that's why we love young players. That's why they're so much fun, because you can actually track and see in almost a linear fashion when young players improve. And you could see the gears in their head moving and you could see them and their quality from as they gain confidence. You could see it almost in live time. That was his best game at right back. And the argument that Balde might be Barcelona's best left back at the moment and best right back at the moment against Ameria, like that's a totally fair question to ask because of what he was able to do against Ameria. Because unlike the previous two weeks when he played at right back, his positional sense coming underlapping under Dembele and then overlapping under Dembélé, it seemed like they worked on it in training. His timing was better. He was much more forward-thinking with his runs toward the middle of the field, understanding positionally how he had to get back. Defensively, he was still, when he was cutting out attacks of his opposite foot, just fine. And, I mean, it wasn't even an improvement of his right foot, but, I mean, he was just better. Like, again, his underlapping runs were very helpful. Torres coming into the middle and adding someone else in the middle was also helpful against five at the back. They were overloading the middle of the field, that being FC Barcelona was. And I, I think, you know, I just wanted to highlight Balde because he's continues to get better and better. And again, it's almost by week. You can see what he's understanding, what he's adding to his game. And I, I, I thought he was I thought he was excellent against Amaria. I think he's been a revelation. Um, Sergio Roberto is our best right back. Uh, come on. Sergio Roberto already scored two goals and he doesn't even play all that much. Uh, <laughs> sure. So, so let's not like completely disrespect Sergio Roberto either because I think he's been playing quite well under 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 Xavi. He's not the right back that we want, but he's been doing quite well. But Balde has been uh, a revelation and it's so much fun to see. I like him a lot better on left on the left and on the right. 
And I actually think that his game against Valencia on the right was better than than uh, Almeria. Almeria were just so incredibly poor. My God, they, yeah, they, they were ter- yeah. they were terrible. They were terrible. They they kept like making horrendous passes. No, they they they, they, they were just terrible. But yeah, Balde is fun to watch, and you know every everybody is rooting for him. Who isn't? Who isn't? Uh, hopefully, he even use. And he's not on that pre- preliminary list to go to the World Cup, is he? I don't think so. Well, maybe Spain. I, I think he might be, or he might have been added to that preliminary list, but the the, the official roster hasn't been released yet. Okay, so, I, I think he is on. I think he is on the preliminary list. He is um, because I think it was like there was like I think Enrique said like five left backs or something were there. Um, I don't remember which ones. But. Okay. I mean, I hope he's not. I hope he won't be called up because that will raise his price. Right, and I, his his uh, his agent is Jorge Mendez. Uh-huh. Exactly, yeah. so, exactly. Yeah, so that'll be a, that'll be a whole whole debacle as well. And well, so in front of him was Dembélé as well uh, against uh, Emery, where you know it, it was interesting for Dembélé because last Friday, Julio Lapuris and I talked all about his decision making, where his first pass takes him, the the fifty fifty ideas that he has in his head, and you know when he chooses to make the right choices. And in that first goal in particular, I mean, well, firstly, I want to say that Busquets ball, a, just a tremendous ball, like a reminder that like that 50 yard diagonal ball on a dime to get in behind the left back right into the path of Dembele. What that pass did for Dembele is it made sure that Dembele did not, he couldn't not say he couldn't make the wrong decision, but it set him up to make the right decision where if he was able to bring that down the way he did, and it was quality touch to bring it down as well. He was able to take himself directly inside because he had, he was around the outside back. He had inside positioning and he was able to go immediately cutting inside. Now to your point as well, Ameria awful job stepping, like nobody cut out or or moved even anywhere near him. And he had a shooting lane, uh, 10 miles long, but no, that that, that was not easy to defend. Like, well, he, well, I'm saying he took advantage of the opportunity full speed, cutting inside and knew exactly what he wanted to do before he did it. And that pass again, really set him up. So a lot of credit to Busquets, but yeah, Dembele showing you that once again, that when he makes the right decisions, he's unguardable. He continues yeah. to be unguardable when he makes the right choices. And it's all down to whether or not did he making the right choice. That, that pass was very interesting because where, where I sit in the stadium, I'm like right behind Busquets when he makes that pass, like the corner where Dembele mm. ran into, I'm in, the opposite corner. Mm-hmm. And when Busquets made the pass, we were looking at it like, where the hell is he passing to? Because it looked like so far away from from everybody. And, you know, of course, then we saw Dembele run onto it and I was like, oh, okay. He's going to, he's actually going to, going to reach that. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that was amazing. That was amazing. Um, but, then, but then, of course, in that first half, before that goal scored, we see Lewandowski comes in as the additional man in the midfield. Terrific vision from him. Frees up Ferran, Ferran Torres, who... Ferran Torres, I thought, and Ansu were the same thing. Where if they had scored a goal, we would have called it a good performance from both of them. But because they didn't... Not say they were criticized, but I, I think they were good, but they didn't score the goal. And that's that's the only but with their performances. Ferran, um, but, Ferran went off to a huge applause. I don't know if you, you guys caught that on TV, but... Well, yeah, I mean, I, well, yeah, I don't remember PK, the camp now applauding. PK was pointing to the crowd, telling them to cheer him as well. 
Okay. Like, louder, louder. Yeah, PK was asking for a louder applause for Torres. Because okay. I mean, I, and that, that's yeah. I, I agree. I thought he was good. I'm glad that the people in the stadium recognized that. But um, I, I, don't think, I don't think the stadium has ever. I don't think the company has ever applauded Ferran Torres as much as as yesterday. What was yeah, it? I think it was fair. I mean, he was. He. I think he set the tone. Wednesday, I mean, Tuesday. I forget. Uh, Tuesday. Yeah, but I mean, he set the tone from minute one. Saturday. What am I talking about? Yeah, who knows what day it is. Yeah, tomorrow, Osasuna. But anyway, so Kiesi, the uh, former Santos player that Barca were linked with, Ferran Torres started the game well against him. He had a good move, showed a lot of ambition. And uh, yeah, again, I'm talking about that that play with Dembele. Lewandowski frees up Torres. Dembele is wide open, then chooses to go with the header instead of trying to kick the ball into the net. But the header, the header might not have been the wrong choice, but the header goes right at the keeper. And from the TV and from the replays, obviously in slow motion, it looks like it was easier than it was. At the stadium, when you saw the header from Demolé, did it look like that was his only option? Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to head it straight at the goalkeeper, but that was his only option. I, I was surprised that, uh, that Ferran Torres passed it to him. And I do not think that that was a great pass. Hmm. Because at that distance, you do not expect that ball to be played at your head from from relatively closely, from a relatively uh, short distance. Um, I did not rewatch the game, though, so I only saw it the, that one time live in the stadium. I do, I do not have the benefit of replay here, but um, I think Dembele could have done better. But I also understand that he was surprised by receiving that pass and that it was not as easy as it looked. Well, moving on to the second goal, then I, you know, if Frankie Young scores it, and I think it's a not only a good goal by Frankie Young, but it's a good Barcelona goal. The second one was where Balde pushes forward to the middle, as I was speaking about. Like he, so Balde starts the move, receives from Ter Stegen, pushes the ball forward, coming through the middle of the fed, not overlapping. Dembele basically keeps everybody occupied out on the wing. Balde lays off for Cha, uh, for Pedri rather, who delivered a really accurate ball to Alba, crosses field who puts a quality ball into Ansu, while Ansu couldn't score right at the goalkeeper, Frankie De Jong was right there. As I kind of said in the five headlines, I felt like that Amerita game, and maybe you had the same, you know, the same response. I don't think Frankie did anything necessarily like unbelievable or, or like beyond, you know, having some kind of 10 of 10 performance. But I felt like Frankie's fingerprints were all over that game. And I felt like Barcelona kind of took on the the characteristics or, you know, Barcelona were, were kind of, how do I say this? They had kind of a Frankie de Young game. Like that's what it felt like against America that, that Barcelona were playing like Frankie de Young, a Frankie de Young built team, if you will, if that makes any sense. But even though Frankie didn't have like the most amazing performance it was, I felt like his fingerprints were all over that game. Barcelona were moving well. They were moving between lines. Well, they were dribbling. I mean, they weren't even, it wasn't that they were setting themselves up with the pass. They were setting themselves up, with the dribble, which is opening up the passing lanes, which again I think really is says a lot about what Frankie De Young does at a high level. Mm-hmm. And I, I just felt like it was, I don't know, my am I am I overdoing a little bit too much with that? Yeah, you are. Thanks. At the at the same <laughs> at the same time, I I don't think that we've ever lost a game in which Frankie De Young plays well. I don't think. Yeah, I mean that's a good question, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I mean I, I think I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a game where where when he plays well. Uh, we lose. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I feel like there's a, been a Champions League game in years past that I can bring up 
but I'm trying to remember which one it was. Right. I'd, have I mean, to, I'd have to go maybe, in my notes. And, maybe our listeners can help us out. And... Yeah, yeah. Let, let us know in the comments. I mean, yeah, I, I need to ask for more engagement. Yeah, let us know in the comments below or, 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 yeah, or tweet at us if you're listening to this audio version. If you can think of a time when Frankie Young played well and Barcelona failed to, to, to get the win. It's a good question. Well, okay. I think, uh, do you have anything else from the Almeria game in the stadium or any thoughts on any players we didn't hit? Because um, if not, I think we'll wrap I, that one up. I, I sat next to, uh, to I don't know, he was maybe 65, 70-year-old guy who uh, who started cheering like crazy. He was, he was there with his wife, and his wife is, uh, is Catalan. And he started cheering like crazy when uh, Lewandowski missed the penalty. But cheering like in a funny way, without like screaming, but he couldn't control his 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 body, so he just like started waving his arms around and and and, and shaking in in joy and happiness. Uh, and <laughs> I looked at him, and his wife was like, "Oh yeah, he supports him. I'm here, I'm here for him." And uh, he was such a fun guy. And the, the the first half, every two minutes, we could score a goal. That that guy lived in between a heart attack the the second before we missed the chance and an orgasm the second after we missed the chance. Goodness, goodness. <laughs> it yeah, was it, it was so much. I mean. That was so much fun to, to watch the game with him. Well, it's a funny note on the penalty that you saw PK kind of gesture towards Lewandowski. I, I think they, you know, oftentimes for Barcelona, they do leave those things up to, not to say up to chance, but you, you expect it's going to be Lewandowski. Mm-hmm. But also if there's like a moment or, or somebody choosing to take the penalty, Barcelona fans, I mean, Barcelona players are, are generally, you know, they have those discussions. Like it's not okay. decided in well, pregame usually. The, so the, 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 stadium, said, the stadium was chanting for PK to take it. Right. And so he kind of gestured, that being PK did, gestured towards Lewandowski to tell everybody yeah. that he's going to take it. But And I will say about that, that like people compare it to the Mascherano penalty. But the reason that's not the same thing at all is because Gerard PK is the only defender in, well, the only center back, if you will, in FC Barcelona history to score a goal in 14 consecutive seasons. So mm-hmm. if you need to watch PK goals, like you can literally watch one from every season he's been, he's been in the first team. So he's got his goals. Don't worry about it. Like yeah. that, that has nothing to do with his legacy. Like Mascherano scoring the penalty was his one goal in, what was it? 213 matches or something like, right? Like it was, however many he played he, for the club. Or he had a couple of own goals. Mascherano did. Yes, yeah. he did. Own goals. But, but anyway, so speaking so, of goals, yeah, and, no, no, hold on, hold on. Uh, and also because they asked Xavi about that after the game, and uh, they asked Xavi, well, you know, hey, why, why, why didn't PK take the penalty? And Xavi just deadpanned it and was like, you know, hey, we were not playing a friendly. I mean, look, Real Madrid dropped points today against Real Vallecano. That, if PK takes that, they and lost. Misses, yeah, they dropped all three points. Yeah, if if PK correct. takes it and misses, and it ends up costing us the game. Zero zero, yeah. yeah. Then, then again, like the, the the moment that Lewandowski took that walk, the the, the run up, I already knew he was gonna miss it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he yeah, it he just looked off. It. It, yep, it looked off. Yeah, the one of his one of his worst penalties that I've that mm-hmm. I've seen. So anyway, last little note here: the Barca Femini won their ninth straight over Real Madrid in El Clasico, four nothing win. Goals by Sorigozovic. Patri, Aitana, and Claudio Pina. The big difference in that game, or the, the reason why, while the Spanish league is getting better and catching up, if you will, I use that in quotes, catching up a bit. Levante really gave him a fight. Levante is a good team. Claudio Pina dropping into the midfield, kind of doing uh, what Lewandowski did when, to, to show things up. But Pina, her movement in the midfield, 
no answer for Real Madrid had. And then the one subplot after that game, too, that you might have noticed was Itana gave the cold shoulder to the Madrid players who had stayed on with the Spanish national team. After that conflict with the manager led to a number of players leaving the team, including Aitana, Patri, and Irene Paredes, all Barcelona players. So likely the Spanish national team will have zero Barcelona players at the, the, the Women's World Cup, the upcoming Women's World Cup. So that's, if you saw anything like that, that's what that, that the Barca Femini against Real Madrid, even on the women's side of something, there is something else going on. Like there is something behind the scenes and there is a subplot, which... I mean, not say that enriches what's on the field, but it always makes it more interesting. So anyway, that's it. Time for you to go to bed, Levon. I appreciate this. And we are still going to, you know, I'll hear from you during the World Cup break. We'll we'll, we'll talk to you again uh, very soon. So follow him. As long as you talk about Barcelona and not the World Cup. Well, there will be news. And I think (laughs) there's always some kind of transfer business and things to talk about. We'll, we'll, We'll drum something up. Or, you know, you and I, I think, have uh, not the not to say we'll do this, but maybe one of the ideas. Again, let us know in the comments, engagement. Let us know what you want Levon and I to talk about. But he and I did have a, a, a pseudo beginnings of an argument about Luis Figo uh, and, and what his legacy is in Spanish football. So maybe we'll maybe we'll entertain that in, in, in the near future or something. But anyway, so follow him on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod, Facebook group, YouTube, Patreon. Merch store, you know where to find us. So, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon in Force of Barca. Peace, Calabasa.